It is potentially the best matchup of the Breeders' Cup Championship. Abel Tasman against Monomoy Girl in the Distaff. And of course, there's the main event. Accelerates the best horse in the country, but he's only run once outside of California. Can he take a show on the road for the Breeders' Cup Classic? The second of our two handicapping the Breeders' Cup shows is coming up next. They're in the gates. They're about to move in. They roll side. And they're off. As they move to the top of the stretch. It's a hit for the big finish. This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us at the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. It is our second Handicapping the Breeders' Cup show where we get into the meat of the Saturday program, and we begin with the mile. To do so, we bring back our two handicappers, the bear Chris Felica from College Game Day, who's able to squeeze us in between College Game Day road assignments, and Catherine Terrell of ESPN.com. Great to have Catherine here for the first time. Let's start with the mile, where you know there's going to be a very strong European presence. There always is. Grasp races are their specialty. Here's my question. I was there when Lightning Spear ran a close third in the Queen Anne at Royal Ascot, where I was sitting amongst the beautiful people. Now, I know a 45-to-1 long shot beat him, but he came back to win the Group 1 Sussex Stakes. Didn't run great his last two times out, but you know, tried to come from the back of the pack in those. My guess is that jockey Ocean Murphy will try to keep him a little bit closer, but 20 to 1 to me seems a little bit high. What do you think, Bear? I didn't really give him much of a look, to be honest with you. Um, I I think he's a a, a bit of a nibbler. I know know you you saw him run run well in the Queen Anne, and he did win the the, the group wanted a number. He, He doesn't seem to attract much betting support over there, and, and that seems to concern me. Uh, I do think that this sets up as one of those types of races where you're going to get a price. I, I know Analyze it gets a little bit of weight as a three-year-old going against Elders here, but the post is, is no bargain. Uh, he's a play against in my book. Uh, the Adrian O'Brien horse, I can fly, is probably going to get bet, uh, but she was... 33 to 1, 12 to 1 in her last two Group 1 tries overseas. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think she's a, a horse for me. Uh, I like Polly Dream is my top horse. I, I think that last race at Longchamp was an absolute press where she prep prep where she got beat at three to two, had a terrible trip, just couldn't get out off the rail, and, and, and I think her running style kind of mid pack at this distance will pretty much be uh, the, the type of trip. That um, that 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 it w- w- will win this race. The expert eye, I think, is another one we talked about. Analyze it, getting some uh, some weight advantage as well. Uh, expert eye is another horse that uh, comes over, gets Lasix, gets weight, and I think is another one who at Longchamp there kind of didn't have the the best of trips, came running late, and I, and I think 
I, I think he's another three-year-old here that, that could stand a chance at a, 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 be, a better price. So I, I think those are the two for me. Uh, I, I think we're looking at Poly Dream and Expert Eye. Well, what do you guys think about Analyze It? I, I think the problem with him is he's, he's always there, but he never seems to get there. So it's almost like he's a horse that could hang around and hit the board, but he seems to hang a lot. I, I don't yeah. know what... I was going to say, he just seems to kind of get, he'll get to the lead and then he'll just kind of get lazy, it appears. Because remember that race against Catholic Boy? We had Catholic Boy put away and he just kind of hit the front and maybe he hit the front too soon. I don't know, but you're right. If anybody other than Chad Brown trained this horse, you'd probably throw him out. Oh, definitely. I, I, think, I think you look at Chad Brown and you think, all right, he's got to think he has something here. But man, when a horse hangs like that, it, it's hard to get past that because they usually don't change when when they tend to do that a lot i mean especially when you look at the pps and it's just seems like it's just over and over again second best second best second best i mean although um you know that's that's just recently it's not like he hasn't want put together a couple nice races but those recent races are a little concerning i was gonna say the chad brown horse that i actually could be interested in betting is almanar who ran an awesome second in the arlington million to robert bruce who would probably be amongst the the favorites, I would think, in this race, if 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 in the in the in here, and then outside of Keeneland at a mile, no bargain whatsoever. Seven uh, seven to two, uh, really didn't run well. But bet uh, his Euro form had been pretty good even before Chad Brown got him, and if if Chad's moved him up. A little bit from there. That that Euro form is competitive, even though it's it, it, it's Group Threes. Those time form ratings are good. One eleven, one oh six. That 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 puts him in the mix, especially if Chad can can move him up. But I think it, it at twelve to one or so, uh, he, he could be a horse I'd be interested in using underneath. I also think at some point we have to talk about the Bally Doyle horses because I can't see Aiden O'Brien being shut out completely all day, all weekend. And there's Happily, who ran against some serious competition in Europe. Lawrence, Roaring Lion, and the Coral Eclipse against Males seems to run better with some cut in the ground and should get that here. Do you give any chance to Happily, Catherine? Yeah, I think so. Um, that last race, I mean, it, it, she has been running against good competition. And that last rate out, race out sorry, is pretty promising. You know, I was talking to someone about this earlier. It's just so funny how differently the Euro horses are than the American horses. Like, some of them have already raced three times this month. And Happily's already raced this month. Um, but, you know, of course, the American horses race once a month. It, that's kind of a ta- going off on a tangent, but it's just so funny when you read the form and look about how different they are. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Happily's got a good base. It's can't discount Aiden O'Brien um, shipping over here. It's going to get a good price on her. I just don't know if she can get there and win, but definitely someone to use underneath. I still can't believe she was favored over Rushing Fall last year. Mind-boggling to me. I was was very happy to take the press I got on on Rushing Fall in that race. (laughs) Let's move on to what could be the best matchup of the competition – Although I don't know that it's going to be just a two-horse race, but the distaff features an absolute showdown of Abel Tasman and Monomoy Girl, the older filly against the three-year-old. But before we get to the supposed 
match race. How fitting is it that in his only ride in the Breeders' Cup, Calvin Burrell rides champagne problems here and breaks from the rail. It, it just had to be that way, didn't it? So Abel Tasman, Catherine, did not run well last time out after such a dominant year. I mean, only once in the last year and a half has she faced more than six rivals. Are you jumping off the Abel Tasman bandwagon? Actually, definitely not. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she was sick in her last race and they didn't know it till afterwards. Um, not positive, but I think you can definitely just draw a line through that race. I mean, she, before that race, was one of the most consistent fillies. I love her. I, I think she'll probably, because of the, because of who she is, will probably get a little overbet in this race hopefully people do jump off the bandwagon but i think she'll bounce right back i just think that's a race you just draw a line through i mean look at look at her buyer she's she put up 105 buyer though the race just ran so well so i'm definitely not jumping off the back bandwagon well i mean i think you need to approach the race uh kind of like Catherine did i i think you either say Abel Tasman is the best horse in the ra- in, in the race. She's going to win, or you wind up taking a complete stand against her and don't even use her on on your ticket. Uh, I think there are passionate arguments to be made for both sides. I, I think she did have an excuse last time out. Um, Monomoy girl. Also, I think people to be attracted to her winning from the outside post in the, in the Oaks, hung outside. Uh, uh, amazing how all these favorites seem to have drawn all the way outside. Just a, a weird coincidence. I, I know there's no funny business at all, but, it, but it's amazing how many favorites or highly thought of horses in a lot of these races are strung out really, really wide. So it, it could make a lot of these races better. But it, it's very interesting. You mentioned a horse in there in Champagne Dreams right off the bat, Barry, that I could easily find myself betting her on uh, on Saturday afternoon if I decide to ultimately take take the stand against Abel Tasman. Calvin Borrell, you bet against him at your own risk when he goes from that trip. Now, Monomoy girl, speaking of trip, you know she's going to be on or near the lead. What if your Jersey Joe Bravo on Blue Prize, who breaks right next to her, who's been very consistent, mainly on the Kentucky circuit and gets home field advantage here, you would think that he would probably sit right behind Monomoy Girl, but do you think Joe Bravo has to try to push Monomoy Girl and try to get her out of her comfort zone? Because I don't know how much other speed there is in here. I think I, I, if I were him, I would. I, I might, I might, I might go to the front for no other reason. Maybe just to kind of push her out and maybe float her wide a little bit to, to not give her the uh, an easiest trip as possible. Uh, what do you, what do, do both of you make of Midnight by Sue? Just because the the barn change to Asmussen, she ran a figure last time out that was so much better than anything uh, she had ever run before. Now she's got to go even further. Uh, I, I'd like to get both of your takes on it, but I, I think she has balance candidate written all over as opposed to uh, having her picture taken in the winner's circle. Uh I agree, and I would say that, yeah, I agree. I'd say that about maybe both her and Monomoy Girl, just because they're both coming to the end of a long campaign for both of them. They had so hard in that last race. It just, to me, looking at that, sets up perfectly for someone else to just come in and beat these horses that are probably running on tired legs. And 
Blue Prize to me is a perfect candidate to do that. I think if someone pushes Monomoy girl, she just she might fold. I mean, it, she she battles hard, but it, you know, it's just been a lot of races this year. So I'm not really sold on the two horse angle between Midnight Bisu and or the two horse race between Midnight Bisu and Monomoy Girl. It, I think you get a better price from someone else to come pick up the pieces um, at the end. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, Midnight Bisu to me seems to be a cut below, and her worst races have come at somewhat longer distances, and this is a mile and an eighth. So, I, I mean, she's won eight times this year, which, as you mentioned earlier, Catherine, with another race, that's a lot of races in one year for an American horse. So I think she is ripe for the pickings here. I don't think she hits the board here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw a clunker. Now, what about Wowcat? I mean, she came from Chile to the Chad Brown barn. Her races have been pretty good. Not sure she's up to the task. Is there a price play to be had with La Force, the German bred? You know, pretty consistent. Lost a couple of times to the now-retired Unique Bella. Was second to Veil Dory in the Zenyatta when Abel Tasman finished fifth. I mean, do you give any of these longer shots a chance? Uh, let's start with Bear. Yeah, I, I, I do, especially, like I said, I think the decision that needs to be made is, is it Abel Tasman's race to lose, or is it an all-race? Because I, I think, and Catherine hit on it as well, I, I don't, if Abel, if Abel Tasman loses, I don't think it's going to be Monomoy Girl or Bindai Bisu who beats her. I, I think it's going to be a price horse. It, it's a race that in... In your pick fours and pick fives, I would I would play a spread ticket, and I would also just play a press ticket singling Abel Tasman because if she does fire, she should win. <laughs> Randomly thinking, I'm uh, just sitting here thinking, Wonder Godot has just kind of been cast off, uh, which is kind of interesting because you know she was just back in May, everyone was was all over her, and now I mean she's fifteen to one on the morning line. To me, that's a pretty good price you're looking at i mean i know she was beaten by monomoy girl and one uh sorry midnight bisu and uh, monomoy girl last time out but you know if they really are if they really are bounce candidates maybe she's one that you throw in there as a price too because 15 to 1 to me seems uh like a pretty great price on her which is pretty much what she was on oaks day when she Ran it, ran a really good race, and nearly won the Kentucky Oaks. And, and you're right, because yeah. this is a Philly that people were considering betting her in the Travers, thinking she had a chance to win that race and, and to go from where she was in the Travers, a shorter price in the Travers against the males than she is today in a race that really fits her company better. It's kind of it's kind of odd, right? <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back, the two biggest races of the Breeders' Cup, the Turf and the Classic, will enable the filly who won the Arc de Triomphe against Colts be able to repeat that amazing performance in the Breeders' Cup Turf. And then there's the main event, the $6 million Classic. Will Accelerate be able to take his show on the road outside of California? Don't go away. Welcome back to the In The Gate podcast. We get to the two biggest races on Breeders' Cup Championship weekend, the Turf and the Classic. What a story. Enable 
off just one start in a minor stakes, having not run all year, comes back to win the biggest race in Europe for a second consecutive year against Colts. And she seems to also run better on turf with some give in the ground, which she will get at Churchill after all the rain during midweek. She'll probably be near the pace, too. Bear, can she pull off the arc turf double? I think someone's going to have to run their eyeballs out to beat her because uh, I think her biggest competition, while the guys drew all the way outside for Andre Fobb, so he will be uh, up against it from a, from a trip perspective. Uh, I loved her sire, Nathaniel. I actually saw him win at Ascot when I was over there a few years back and had a, had a nice mutual on him that day. I, I Yes, she can. I, I think she can go to the front. I think she can track. Uh, I don't know if you need to necessarily worry about about trip problems here for her or not because how versatile she is. I don't know if there's a ton of pace in here. I, I will say this. If these jockeys like Glorious Empire and Julian Le Peru get away – uh, like they did the last couple of times at Saratoga, they're they're going to be in for uh, a world of trouble because that horse is very game and, and that horse can stay and he will be very hard to beat in the lane uh, if they let him open up like he did up at Saratoga. But uh, I think I think Enable might even be a, a more likely winner than Newspaper of Record the day before. It could be a pretty big hour for Bill Mott and Jose Ortiz, who have Yoshida in the Classic, and they have Channel Maker here in the turf. A very consistent summer with two wins on soft turf, which he may get in this race. He'll probably push Enable on the pace. They may very well be the only pace. So what chance do you give Channel Maker to upset Enable, Catherine? Well, I always, you know, whenever I see a Bill Mott horse, I always have to at least kind of consider them um you know ran really well the last t- ran 108 buyer the last time out i mean you you can't ignore that definitely one i love the price i just i of course you know it's an able's race to lose i think but when you look at that price you're like you got to go find some someone else right unless you're just gonna single enable but if you're looking at other bets channel maker and talismanic i think are just two that you should really be looking hard at for that price. I mean, I know Talismanic didn't run well the last time out, but uh, definitely a horse I would be looking at as well. Belmont doesn't win with three to five shots, five to two shots. Uh, (laughs) He does, but typically in big races, he is most dangerous when he has a horse who is a big price. And you touched on Channel Channel Maker, and he didn't necessarily run well. Uh, on the offgoing at Churchill back in May, but he has run well on soft footing up in the Northeast. So we'll see if that form uh, can indeed uh, can indeed travel. I, I, Wall guys is the horse that I, I guess if you if you like him, you might get a better price on him, being that he's in post twelve. Uh, I still think I, I don't think the the American turf horses here are are very good. To be quite honest with you. Even Robert Bruce? He is probably the best of them, but I, I don't think that – I, I, I don't think that the, – the, I think he would have been better off in the other race. I, I think he would have been more competitive uh, in, in that race. I, I think the gap between Enable, Waldgeist, and, and, and Robert Bruce and, and Channel Maker is just dramatic. 
What about Magical for Bally Doyle? We keep getting back to Bally Doyle. She runs well on wet ground. Three fillies have won the turf in the past, including found three years ago. And you kind of referenced that, Catherine. To me, that's one of the greatest performances I have ever seen. A three-year-old filly against older males, including the ARC winner, Golden Horn, on a two-week turnaround after British Champions Day, crossing the Atlantic. Unbelievable. And to me, Magical might be able to pull something like that off. She's run behind two super fillies, Lawrence and Alpha Centauri, now retired, in the Matron in Ireland in September. And she's got real class, won two weeks ago at Ascot. You can leave her off at 10 to 1, but you do so at your own risk. What do you think? Third race in October. Well, I guess it won't be October. But basically, third race in a month, turning around, shipping... A lot to ask of a horse. I mean, that's for sure. But um, clearly, Magical has no problem. <laughs> no problem on quick turnarounds, I guess. Or, like, they have no problem entering Magical into races with quick turnarounds. So, it just... I just hate... I hate that they're asking that much of a horse. And you're you're expecting a lot um, if you expect... Or if you expect Magical to have a big race considering all that but I, I don't know what do you think I, I think it's a lot to ask of her here i really do it's it's, it's gosh th- three races and and that, and that span it, with with the travel uh beaten badly by enable uh a long shot I, I i don't know i'm i'm not i'm not feeling it either <laughs> i would just it would worry me it i mean it's the same thing with mendelssohn you mentioned Mendelssohn. That brings us to the main event, a very eclectic race, as you would think with a $6 million race, because everybody and his brother is going to want to get in there, and they come from all over the place, all different types of racing backgrounds from all different uh, styles in the classic. I hate to do this, because we've talked so well about the Europeans, but I have to toss Roy You hate to do it, but you're going to do it anyway. I I, I hate to interrupt you, but but I'm going to interrupt you anyway. Yeah, but, you know, at the end of a long season, he's running on dirt for what will be the only time in his career, and like Galileo, like George Washington, it should not take away from what a terrific horse this is and what a terrific year he's had. But now you start to study this race, there's a lot of pace here. Mendelssohn, Catholic boy, McKinsey, is it going to set up for stalkers or is it going to set up for stone cold closers here? Catherine, how do you see the classic shaping up? This is such an interesting race. Like you said, I feel like yeah, it lost a lot of its luster. I think a few months ago when justify retired and uh, good magic retired and basically the names that would draw you to it aren't there. But when you look at it, it's so interesting because it's just so unique with these horses coming from all over the place, which is one of the things I love about the Breeders' Cup in general. So I guess just going through them, there's a lot of interesting angles. There's Thunder Snow, who is, can drive a better insane. Um, Thunder Snow was a horse I actually liked before the Kentucky Derby. I saw him working out, and I just thought, man, that horse looks awesome. So I was kind of touting him a little bit, and then he goes and gets out of the gate and decides he's not running that day, and so then you you basically, you know, write him off, and then he goes and wins at the Buy World Cup. So um, I guess bet him at your own risk. You don't really know what he's going to do from any given day. But I think here you just 
it's really open to finding a price. You know, um, Yoshida, I think, is going to be a horse a lot of people are, are looking at. Good price, maybe the wise guy horse this year, but definitely not someone you can ride off. And then I think Mind Your Biscuits is also a really intriguing bet. So there's really a lot of angles you could go here. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the stalkers, Mind Your Biscuits, Yoshida, whom I saw run in person in the Queen Anne at Royal Ascot. Did I mention how great Royal Ascot is? Thunder Snow, they're all stalkers. They're probably better than the closers, Lone Sailor, Discreet Lover, Gunavera. But will the pace compromise the stalkers too, Bear? I, I think it, it's a, it will be determined by how close uh, those riders keep them to accelerate Catholic boy Mendelssohn uh, uh, collected if he draws in because I, I think it is going to be pretty salty up there and I mean Rosario's got no choice but to go from from, from where he is and you can you you can have him at five to two I mean that's I mean you, you bet on him at five to two you hate money uh, I agree but <laughs> yeah, I mean, Catherine brought up Thundersnow, and I didn't like him at all in the Derby. But you look at his dirt form since then. I mean, he ran a winning race in the Jockey Club goal. He he, he should have won that race. Uh, he won the Dubai World Cup. Uh, I, I, at 12 to 1, I think he has a great shot to win this race. Uh, another. Mind your biscuits, a, a horse at Catherine. I, I think he's a little going to be a little bit of a an overlay in this race because I don't think uh, I think with all the attention of the Bafferts, the, the, the attention of Accelerate, uh, the Catholic boy, the three year old. People people love betting the three year old. Uh, Mendelssohn coming back, who again you can bet him with, with, with your fine. Go right ahead, bet him. I'll, I'll be happy. You're going to make. Yeah, I mean, how many times can you take that horse across the ocean? And keep trying to run him on dirt while training him in Europe. It, it, it baffles the mind. How is he a shorter price than Pavel, who, who won the Stephen Foster over this track? That, that, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I, I think there are a lot of things to like uh, with Pavel as a very live long shot as well. So I, I think if I had to narrow it down to three most likely winners, I, I would say Thundersnow, Mind Your Biscuits, and Pavel. And if I had to add a fourth, it would be a Yoshida just because of the Bill Moss factor. And uh, despite what, what Catherine said about that, he, he probably will get bet a little bit. He's got, he's got a couple things going for him, though. His two top buyers are, number one, in his last start, in his first start on dirt, and number two, the race he ran at Churchill on the turf. So he likes it in Louisville. He likes the dirt, at least at Saratoga. Uh, will, will, will those two things come together and converge on Saturday? I think Yoshida will actually close the best. I think it's going to be a, a late stalker, early closer type, and I think it sets up the best for Yoshida. He has the best jockey in the country on him, Jose Ortiz. I think Mind Your Biscuits will probably have something to say about it. Thunder Snow, if we get a wet ground again, that's the condition – he faced in that Kentucky Derby when he went crazy. The dirt form he's had since then has been on on firm, dry dirt track. So that's an issue here. The weather is going to be a huge issue. And so, Catherine, what can you tell us about the weather down there? Well, specifically regarding the weather, I think with thundersnow and the dirt, I was at the Derby last year and this year. I think thundersnow didn't like the crowd. Um, I don't know if it was the track 
I think Mendelssohn hated the crowd and hated the track, and that just was a horrible combination. I remember I didn't like Mendelssohn that week, and then I got talked into it, and I was standing on the track when it's raining, and they had to take him into the, down the chute because he was freaking out about the people, and then he just couldn't run over that track uh, when it was like that. So that's if you are going to go back on the Mendelssohn train, that's just something to remember. But it's supposed to rain I think all day Friday. I don't know if it's still supposed to rain Saturday, but, you know, that definitely could throw a wrench into people's tickets for sure if they're handicapping now without taking that into consideration. Well, we've given you a lot to think about. Now it's your turn. The Breeders' Cup on Friday and Saturday. We hope we've given you a little bit of ammunition to go out and make it a successful weekend. You can catch us anywhere on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud, get us at the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. Remember to join us after the Breeders' Cup for a fantastic Veterans Day-themed edition of In the Gate featuring the legendary Hall of Fame broadcaster Jack Whitaker as he remembers his days both in the Army and covering the Triple Crown. It's a very special In the Gate you won't want to miss. But for now, that's In the Gate. I'm Barry Abrams. Enjoy the Breeders' Cup.